Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. Good morning, CCF family. It is so good to see everyone here uh, this morning. If you are visiting, um, I am Pastor Eric. I am not Pastor Brian. I'm the children's pastor at uh, CCF. Pastor Brian is, oh, yes, thank you. We love kids. Woo! <clears throat> and that's right, VBA is very important. So volunteer and pick up a permission slip. So, or not permission slip. Well, yeah, that too, that too. We, want, we're, we practice uh, good protocol here. Uh, no, we, we've, we have donation slips and we need everyone's help. There we go. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning as we continue our series and our journey through the book of Proverbs, where we are talking about um, having wisdom for a good life. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Proverbs chapter three. That's where we're gonna be this morning. And I don't know about you, I'm excited that it is uh, June 25th and we are at the end of June. And I don't know for some of you, if, if, if your June has been like mine, but it's been a little crazy. If you, have, if you got kids or high schoolers, end of the year, um, it's hard to keep track of what day it is and what's happening. I know for me, my boys are playing uh, sports, tournaments, wrapping up school, all these parties. I'm like, how many parties do you need to finish school? Let's just get out, right? If you're in Edmonds School District, the kids have a half day. If you're anywhere else in the world, you're already done and you're on summer. Um, not bitter, not bitter. But at this time of the year, I'm always reminded, I always see the, our, our seniors who are graduating. And it's always exciting to, to hear them, to see what they're doing. But I always have a little compassion for them and I feel for them because I know they are getting bombarded with one question, right? And what is that, what, what's that question? What are you doing next, right? What are you, where are you going to school? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? You're 18. You got to figure it out, right? And, and I feel for them because I know that, you know, it's a lot and they probably rehearse and say the same thing over and over. Well, similar to that question, whenever I hear that, I always think back to when I was asked a question as a child. And I think most of you here probably were asked this same question at one point in time in your life when you were younger. And it is, what do you want to be when you, and I'm like, trick question, I'm not going to grow up, right? <clears throat> but nonetheless, we all go back and we can remember that time. And, and maybe some of you remember what you said you were going to be. I remember there were two things that I was going to be. I was going to be a fireman. I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be in that red suit and the helmet. I was like, maybe those boots would give me an extra couple inches. I don't know. And I would go home and in the summer, we'd have campfires. And I remember the smoke would be, you know, blowing through the yard. And I just like, mm, here we go. And it was just like, it was the most fun ever. I wanted to be a fireman. And then I grew up in junior high, I got into um, sports and I got into tennis. And then it was like, I want to be a tennis star. I want to be the guy who's like, you know, on the courts and, you know, he's serving it up and everyone's like, yeah. And then I realized, oh, you got to be really good at tennis. So that's probably not going to happen. But I wonder what your dream was. What did you want to be? Now, as a children's pastor, I get this special glimpse into a lot of kids' lives. And I'm just curious, how many of you have asked a child recently, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anyone out there? It is not what you probably said when you were a child. It is not a fireman. It is not an astronaut. All right? 
Today, if you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you know what they say? Anyone want to guess? YouTuber, right? I want to be a YouTuber. And if you're like, what is a YouTuber? I'm still asking the same question, right? I mean, it's like, okay, all right. We're just going to make videos and we're going to make a living off that. All right. Uh, another one is I want to, they want to be influencers. I'm like, you're six years old. Like, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay? Uh, others, my favorite, if you, got a, if you have a young boy, you know this, they want to be a gamer, that's right. They want to have a, a, a channel on Twitch, I believe is what it is. And they just want to be famous for playing video games. And you're like, are you sure you're going to make it? Oh, trust me, I'm that good. I'm like, okay, all right. So YouTuber, right? In influencer, a gamer. This is what they want to be. And it might seem for us, for some of us, that's really hard to understand. But the reality is when you see YouTubers and gamers and influencers, like they see them all the time, you realize that it actually is um, very, there's a draw to it. Because they're constantly seeing in the background of these videos, like really cool toys, really nice houses, really cool vacations. And the lifestyle of these people is, is, is very, it draws them in. And they say, I want to pursue that life because it looks like it's got some sweet benefits. And I want that. And the reality is that we all have a tendency to want to pursue some type of life because we see that it has certain benefits. And Solomon, as he wrote Proverbs, and as he's writing and, and, and giving us this wisdom, he's sharing this with his son because he knows that his son, his children, and, and people are going to be pursuing certain paths in life because they see certain benefits. And so in chapter three, Solomon is talking with his son and he's communicating to him, this is, these are the benefits of wisdom. And this is why you want to pursue a life of wisdom. Because a life of wisdom has many benefits and it will lead to a good life. But Solomon knows that his children, just like all of us, we look around and we see lifestyles, uh, so many different types of lifestyles, so many different incentives and attractions that we can, get mis we can be misled and we end up wandering off the path of wisdom. So as Pastor Brian mentioned, we are going to be in the first section of, of the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 where he's laying the groundwork explaining what is wisdom and why do we want to pursue it? Why should you want to pursue wisdom? And so Solomon wants his son to know that wisdom comes with perks and there are actually incentives for walking in wisdom. After all, if Proverbs is a roadmap to living the good life through wisdom, there must be benefits. So today we're going to look at what the benefits of wisdom are. Before we do that, will you join me as we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time, this morning, that we can come together as your children. We are thankful for your word, your living word that speaks into our lives. 
We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to understand your word and to apply your word and live it out. And so right now, what we are asking, Father, is that you will speak to us very clearly, that you will speak through me, may it not be my words, but your words that are spoken here this morning, and guide us and, and direct us. And for each person here, may you, may you encourage or, or exhort and convict as each person needs to draw them closer to you so that we might live and walk in wisdom to live the good life that you desire for us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to see six benefits of wisdom as we read through um, Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. But before we do that, we need to do two quick things. First is a very quick review from last week. Pastor Brian opened up our series on Proverbs, and there were a few things that he pointed out. And if you recall, he started with an actual paper map in his hand. I know, this is like, what is that? And he was explaining that Proverbs is like this roadmap that we have that will lead us and guide us to living a good life. So if you want directions and you want to end up at a good destination of a good life, follow the directions that are found in Proverbs. And uh, Pastor Brian also went on to explain the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is the accumulation of facts, whereas wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge. I loved his example. Uh, Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. I like that one, okay? But there's a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. I bet every one of you can think of a person who has a lot of wisdom or a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of wisdom, right? We know those people. Hopefully we're not that person. Nonetheless, there's a difference. And then we watched a very short video from the Bible Project explaining the wisdom literature and talking about Proverbs. And it talked about um, the Hebrew word for wisdom, chokmah, which is really, it's like this cause and effect principle used in creation by God, weaved in and, in and throughout everything in creation and into our lives. And it's an attribute of God. And so wisdom is everywhere and you can't escape it. And it affects every aspect of our lives. And if you try to push against or pull against wisdom, it is going to kick back. It is going to affect you. And so we want to know how we can live in wisdom. So that's a quick review of what we talked about, of what Proverbs is and what wisdom is. And today, we need to make two very quick clarifications before we read any verses um, into chapter three. All right, and the, the first clarification of all Proverbs is defining and knowing the difference between principles and promises. And as we read Proverbs, um, they are sayings that often explain, if you do this, then this is the result. All right, so if you do this here, here's what is going to happen. And we, we get our, find ourselves in a very dangerous spot if we begin to think that these are promises. Because Proverbs are not promises. They are general principles of how God created the universe. And so if you do this, typically this will happen. For example, Proverbs 15.1, you might have heard this one before, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And you think to yourself, what happens when someone is, 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 gives a soft answer when someone else is, is being very mean? 
And what happens when people are harsh with their words? Let me tell you, I just came out of a week of baseball, PLL baseball tournaments. And I can tell you that there's harsh words and you know what it stirs up? Anger, right? In general, when people are harsh with their words, it, it, their, their life is surrounded by anger. Now, is that always the case? No. Unfortunately, I have, some, I have seen people give harsh words and unfortunately silenced people who should not be silenced. I have also seen most of the time when people are peaceful and quiet and gentle with their communication, that they are not surrounded by wrath. They are not surrounded by angry people all the time. Unfortunately, maybe you've also been the recipient of this. You've given a soft answer, a gentle response, trying to simmer things down, but it's only met with more anger and a louder response. So in general, we understand the truth of Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. We know that that is the case most of the time. That's the general principle, but it's not a promise that it will always happen. And we have to understand this clarification as we read through Proverbs. Otherwise, we'll set ourselves up for failure. So that's the first clarification, that Proverbs are principles, general principles of life, not promises. Second, as we read through chapter three, we're going to be talking about the benefits, all right, of wisdom. But there's a pattern that we see here, and it's very important that we understand this pattern. That is that there's instruction first and then the incentive. Instruction first and then the incentive. Because Solomon is saying, the writer is telling us that there are benefits to wisdom, but there are not benefits to saying, I like the idea of a wise life. I think being wise would, would be pretty nice because then I'll get all the benefits and then you automatically receive it. No, there's instruction that happens beforehand and there's work that hap- has to happen first before we see the fruit of that wisdom in our lives. So there's instruction and then we see what the incentive is. For it's, it's like um, before we can experience the benefits of wisdom, you actually have to apply that wisdom. It'd be like my boys expecting screen time this summer before they do their chores. It's not going to happen. All right, do the work up front, and then you receive the blessing and the benefits. So with those clarifications, we can jump into the text of chapter 3. So let's look at the first benefit, verses 1 and 2, and this is what he says. My son... Do not forget that my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. When we obey his word, when we walk in wisdom, we experience peace. When we obey his word, we experience peace. Now, when he's talking about the law here, he's not talking about his own parental instructions that he's giving to his children, but it's a broader reference to the word of God. And so the idea here, simply put, is that when, as you apply God's principles from his words into your life, you experience peace. But we're not talking like a day at the spa peace. We're talking about the shalom peace. This is a greater peace that says everything, all the pieces are in the right places. The things are as they ought to be. And so as you obey the word of the Lord with your heart, 
you get to experience peace. But it's interesting here because you're going to see a theme where he continues to bring in the idea of obey this and follow these instructions with your heart. And so your heart has to be in it. What, is, what does that even mean? What's the difference? Why, what's the difference? Why can I just like obey? Because there's a huge difference when children obey and follow rules because they understand it versus obeying because they just have to. Because if, if my children only obey me because they're afraid of me or because they just have to and they just don't want bad consequences, then they just think that I'm setting up all these rules to make life miserable, right? But what happens when we start to understand that rules are in place for our own good, for our own safety? Suddenly, my boys understand I don't want them playing on that yellow line in, the in this concrete path, not because I don't want them to have fun, but because I just don't want them to get hit by a car because I love them. And so as we understand that these rules are here out of place here out of love, as our heart understands the meaning behind them, then we obey them with joy. And it brings peace. And I don't know about you, but peace is something that this world today is missing. In the last month, have you talked to somebody who's been struggling with anxiety? I can't tell you the number of people that I have been talking with who are just like, I can't handle it. There's just so much pressure there. They're feeling so much anxiety. It is all around us. So this benefit of wisdom right here, the fact that it produces peace should draw us all towards it to pursue wisdom. Because when we obey his word, we experience peace. The second benefit of wisdom is found in verses three through four. And that is when we walk in wisdom, we experience success. Like, ooh, now I'm listening, right? He says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. When we keep steadfast love and faithfulness close, we experience favor and success. These attributes of steadfast love um, and, and of faithfulness, we, first, we see them in Exodus 34, 6, when Moses is on Mount Sinai and God comes and passes, goes before him and gives him instruction and he ex talks about who he is. And that's how God describes himself as a God who is of steadfast love and faithfulness. And so these attributes are to be in our lives etched into our heart. Again, not a cold act of obedience, but an act of our core being. And so what we're told here is in God's, uh, in, in God's good and wise act of creation, we, and, uh, he instilled the principle that people are attracted to a lifestyle of steadfast love and faithfulness. Who are the people you want to be around? The person you're like, I don't trust them. I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole or the people that you know are committed, that are faithful. I know I'm attracted to that. And Cheryl and I, we had, um, 
we saw something very special. We had, we called them our adopted grandparents, Frank and Val. And we loved them so much. And we saw something really, really special. We went to a wedding and Frank and Val were at that wedding. It was friends of ours. And they had the dance, right? Where the, the, the bride and the groom, they come out on the dance floor and they start dancing. Oh, that's so cute. And then they invite everyone who wants to come out on the dance floor and to dance. And so we all go out and then they say, we're going to see who here has been married the longest. And so you're all dancing and they're like, all right, if you've been married for one year, step off. Okay, five years. Okay, a few more people. 10 years, 20 years. Suddenly you look out on the dance floor, dancers are getting a little slower. Nonetheless, they're still dancing. 25 years, 40 years, 50 years. Frank and Val were the only ones out there and they were dancing and it was beautiful. And then at the end, I love it that... Um, the guy came up and he said, all right, you've been married the longest. Give everyone a piece of wisdom on marriage. And I love what he said. He said, my wife and I, we decided when we got married that as the husband, I would make all the important decisions in our household. And everyone's like listening. And he said, and to this day, there has not been an important decision that has needed to be made. <laughs> But people were drawn in to Frank and Val because their life of 50 years together demonstrated something that was beautiful. It demonstrated steadfast love and faithfulness to one another. And everyone that was there said, I want that. They wanted something that was a part of that because a life of faithfulness, a life of steadfast love is attracting to other people. And that is why the benefit of following these instructions is finding favor with God and with people. A second benefit of wisdom is experiencing success and favor. Third, verses five through six, when we walk in wisdom, we experience direction. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He will make straight your paths. This is probably one of the most familiar verses that we know in the book of Proverbs. And, as you, and many commentators and scholars will point out that this is probably the thrust of this whole paragraph that we're reading of these 12 verses, that, that trust is core. In fact, if, if your Bible has um, titles at, at the beginning of each chapter, it probably says something like trust in the Lord or trusting in God or trust in the Lord with all your heart because this is crucial to living a wise life is that, when, is that we trust the Lord. And so we see the instruction and the incentive is when we trust the Lord wholeheartedly, he will guide our direction in our lives. He will make your paths straight. It's the idea of actually clearing and leveling a road just for you. He will guide you and, bring, and guide you along paths that are safe. But the idea of trust is to give oneself completely over to, to that person, not to anything else, and not to lean on your own understanding. And we're not talking about just leaning up against a road, but we're talking, you are broken. You can't stand on your own. You have got to, to support yourself on something. And if that something gives way, your whole life will give way. You are completely leaning in and trusting on God wholly. No wishy-washy, completely giving your heart 
and trusting God in everything. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This is an important thing about the Proverbs and about making choices. It's not in the big choices that we acknowledge God. Where am I going to go to school? Where, what career am I going to pursue? What job am I going to do? What house am I going to buy? What car should I buy? Those are important decisions, and you need to acknowledge God in those. But Solomon, is remi- Solomon is reminding us that it's in every decision we need to trust God. How am I going to respond to my spouse who's not happy with me right now or that I am not happy with? How am I going to respond to the driver ahead of me who's texting and not realizing that it's been green for three seconds? How am I going to respond to the person who just cut in front of me at the grocery store? Guess what, people? Acknowledge God in those moments. Trust him and the benefit is that he will direct our paths. But we've got to full out trust him. Has anyone ever gone ice fishing before? I found out that in the Northwest it's not that popular. Well, where I grew up, it was very popular in upstate New York. And I remember the difference of my first time going ice fishing and then having gone ice fishing with experience and seeing other people. The first time I went ice fishing, I, need, I just, you have to visualize this. Here's the land, there's the ice, and you got to get over there, right? So what was I like? I was like, I'm like getting down in all four, like going out. I finally get to the spot and I'm where the ice fish, I'm like, okay, just don't move, Eric. Just don't move. And I'm, you know, you're fishing and you don't catch anything. And you're like, why did I just do that? But then after experience and hearing what other people do, you realize that that whole dance of being gentle and careful is not necessary because ice is strong. Do you know how strong it is? There's a lake up in the mountains where I went to school in New York. It's called Scroon Lake. And I have a picture that you can look at. If you look at that picture, you realize there are trucks on the lake, okay? That's not just like on the land. People drive their trucks and their campers out on the lake. They will camp out there because the ice is strong enough. It can support them. And so when you see that, you realize suddenly, why have I been tiptoeing when I could be driving a truck on the water, right? And yet, we as Christians, as believers, when we trust in God, we're like, are you going to provide for dinner today? Can I be nice to that person? I don't know if I can hold my tongue. And this is what we look like as believers, tiptoeing because we don't fully trust God with everything. And God is saying there, I want you out there driving your truck. I want you on the water. I want you living, trusting in me because I will support you. So we're called to trust in God. And as we do that, he will provide the direction for your life. The fourth benefit of wisdom is that when we walk in wisdom, we experience healing. Verses seven and eight, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. When we humbly fear the Lord, we experience healing and refreshment. 
He starts off, he says, again, do not be wise in your own eyes. This is carrying off of the theme that we just read in the earlier verses. But this passage warns us against self-assurance, which is the very thing that is in opposition to trusting in God. And when we have only self-assurance, we cannot have the peace and the healing and the direction that wisdom provides. The father is instructing his son to gain a little perspective. Know the one true person who we should fear, and that will actually keep you away from the things that you should not be near. Fear the Lord and avoid paths of evil. Turn away from them. Walk away from them. Whenever we talk about the fear of the Lord, it's, it's a difficult, we don't like that idea, right? We don't like the idea that we, we need to be afraid of God. And of course, this is an, we need to have an appropriate understanding. And I always like to use the illustration or the example of, of the ocean. Our family, some of our best vacations for our family with my, my two boys has been going to the ocean and, and the boys playing in the beach. But as a good parent, what is the first thing that I do when we arrive at a beach with my boys. <laughs> Sunscreen. Okay, I'm not a good parent. No, that's not it. My wife is a good parent. My wife is a very good parent. She puts sunscreen on. That did not go as I planned. So no, the first thing that I do is I make sure that my kids are aware of how powerful that ocean is. Because the kids, they look at it, they see blue waves and they're like, I'm going in, Dad. They have no idea that that current can pull them out. They have no idea that if they walk along these really sharp rocks and a wave's gonna crash up against them and push them into the rocks. They have no idea of the true power of the ocean. And so if they have no understanding of that power, they're going to potentially get very hurt if not lose their life. So the first thing I do is I instill in them a proper fear of the ocean. And you know what happens after that? We have fun. We have a lot of fun jumping in the waves, playing in the waves, staying in the in areas where we're not going to get sucked away or pushed over by the waves. And when you understand and you have that proper feels, that uh, proper understanding, the proper fear, suddenly things actually become more freeing and you can enjoy yourself and not die. So, there's always a plus. <clears throat> so when we walk in wisdom, he says, fear the Lord. And what is, what is one of the, what's the incentive? It will bring healing to your flesh. It will bring healing and refreshment to your bones. When we trust the Lord and we say, I want that, but I know you tell me no, and we walk away, the pain and the hurt that evil and sin causes in our life will dissipate. And we can find healing in that but we have to fear the Lord. So when we walk in wisdom, we experience healing. Fifth thing that he mentions is when we walk in wisdom, we experience times of plenty. Verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. When we honor God with our wealth, we experience times of plenty. Of course, remember, this is one where we often forget that there is instruction first before we see the benefit. And the instruction is you need to honor God first with your wealth. 
Not only do you need to honor him first with your wealth, but you need to honor him with the first fruits, meaning that with what he has blessed you with, are you giving back to him? Are you honoring him before you make your plans? Or is it after you make your plans? Are you honoring God with your wealth? Well, let's do this family vacation. And then if there's any money left in the pot, we'll bring it to, we'll, we'll give it to God. We'll help somebody else. Do we go and honor God before the plans with our first fruits? Because he says, when you do that, what's happening is you demonstrate gratitude and confidence in God rather than confidence in your own wealth. And that brings him honor. To give of our first fruits, to give to God first, is to say, I trust that you will provide and give what I have given back, if not more. And if not honored, then the opposite is to be slighted. And so when we read this proverb, we have to challenge ourselves and be honest. And we have to ask, does the Lord consider himself honored or slighted with my monthly budget, with how I honor him in my wealth. Because if we follow that instruction of wisdom and we honor him first with our wealth, he does reward and he does give back plentiful. But we have to honor him first. So finally, we come to the sixth benefit of wisdom. When we walk in wisdom, we experience the love of our heavenly father. Now, this isn't exactly what you might expect when talking about receiving the love of our Heavenly Father. Because verses 11 and 12, they talk about discipline. Raise your hand if you like discipline. Uh, some of you. All right. He says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. When we walk in wisdom, we experience the love of our Heavenly Father. When we receive the Lord's discipline, we experience the love of our Heavenly Father. When we go through suffering, when we go through chastisement in our life, we have a tendency to despise it or reject it or to be weary and passive in despair. And the wise person will choose to receive that discipline to receive that instruction, understanding that it is only because we have a loving father who cares enough for us that he is willing to spend time on us to discipline us. As a parent, I can tell you, it would be a lot easier to just let children do whatever they want. My kids don't quite understand that yet, right? They're like, do you enjoy giving consequences, dad? I'm like, no, I hate it. And I would much rather be doing the th other things that I want to do. But because I love you, I have to speak into your life. It's hard. Hebrews 12, 11, which refers to this passage, it says, nobody really enjoys discipline in the moment, but it produces something. You know, I have not yet had this moment. I'm, I'm praying, maybe one day I will, when I'm, you know, disciplining my children and, you know, they just stop like, dad, time out. Thank you. Your wisdom that you are handing over to me is inspiring. 
I know that it's painful now, but tomorrow I will be a better person. Thanks, dad. Keep going. Time in. That has not happened and it will not happen because we don't like the time of discipline. But I can look back and now I understand my parents disciplined me because they wanted to raise a child that they would want to be around, that others would want to be around, and most importantly, because they loved me. And this might be the hardest thing to grasp, but it might be also the greatest blessing and benefit that comes from living in wisdom and receiving discipline is that it is because you are loved by your heavenly father. And is there anything that could be better than that? The benefit of wisdom is that we experience the love of our heavenly father. So at the end of the day, the writer is asking his son to give up his self-centered fantasy and replace it with a God-centered reality. I don't know where you are today, but I do know that, what God is, that God is asking us all here right now to trust in him wholeheartedly and to walk in wisdom so that we can live and experience that good life. God wants to see us practice wisdom and experience the fruit that comes from that wisdom. But what is it that you have to trust in him today? Is it being faithful to a friend who's going through a difficult time, showing that steadfast love and commitment? Wisdom for you today might be showing steadfast love to a spouse that is hard to love right now. Maybe you know you are making a decision that is based on your own understanding and it's not God's understanding and you need to trust him there. For some, perhaps you need to make the wise choice of fleeing evil. Fear the Lord, fear God and flee evil. Some of us here have barns that are filled with plenty, but we are not honoring God with our wealth. And some of us, we need to receive not reject, but receive God's discipline and recognize that it's because he loves you. At the end of the day, God has given us wisdom so that we can live good, the good life. What are the benefits of that good life and wisdom? Peace, success, direction, healing, times of plenty, the love of a heavenly father. But that good life can only start when we trust him with all we've got. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you have given us your word and you have given us this map and you've given us direction. You have shown us very clearly what we can do each day in every moment in the most mundane things, how we can live in wisdom and experience the benefits of that. But Father, we also recognize that it's not easy we recognize that making those choices can be very difficult and that trusting you wholeheartedly is not the simplest thing to do. And so we are asking at this time for your Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us strength, to give us direction. Lead each of us here this morning to know what you are calling us to do, what you are calling us to say, what you are calling us to give or to share. Father, lead us and guide us and direct us so that we can put in the work and follow your instruction 
and see the benefits of wisdom in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.